And when you create a new image in your mind, just like when you program GPS navigation, you put the destination, the system tells you how. When you have a dream in that instant, divine intelligence that hung the stars in the night sky, that same brilliance knows how you can live a life of joy. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. I'm so excited about today's episode. First off, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for stopping by. I'm so grateful to have you here. Whatever you are pursuing, whatever life you are after, whatever craft you're trying to master, I hope that me learning on this podcast and sharing with you is supporting you. I am so passionate about this idea of finding and pursuing your most authentic direction, following the clarity that you receive amongst the chaos and trying your best to show up as your true self in this world where that's not always the easiest thing. I'm passionate about this idea because for me, for so long, I felt out of touch with my truth. I felt out of touch with my authentic direction. I was lost. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to move forward. And today's guest fits in perfectly with this. He was so impactful on my journey When I was 22, I was completely lost, I was directionless, I was fresh out of college, didn't know how to take those steps towards my quote-unquote dream life, and I read the books by Mike Dooley. Mike Dooley is a spiritual teacher, he's spoken on some of the biggest stages, multiple times best-selling author. When I first found his work, I first read his book called The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You, and it's not as morbid as it sounds, it's about universal truths. It's about the world we live in and how we can operate knowing these universal truths. He's also written Infinite Possibilities, The Art of Living Your Dreams, his newest book, A Beginner's Guide to the Universe, Uncommon Ideas for Living an Unusually Happy Life. This is an amazing podcast interview, and I'm so humbled to be able to talk with Mike Dooley, someone who so greatly put my life in perspective thanks to his ability to articulate spiritual truths in such a grounded and practical way. He talks about in his books and on this podcast, the laws of the universe, the biggest questions, who are we, why are we here, and how does this fucking big game we're in work? We also talk about the law of manifestation, the law of attraction, thoughts become things. We talk about on this episode, taking baby steps towards our dreams, even if we have no idea how we're supposed to get there. We talk about overcoming doubt, that negative voice that we all have. We talk about imposter syndrome. We also talk about how we can become leaders and beacons of light and continue to step into the positive despite all the chaos and perhaps negative things happening This is one of my favorite podcasts yet. I'm so grateful for Mike, his work, his books, how it affected my life. I'm really confident you guys will like this episode. Such a wide-ranging conversation. If you're on the path of pursuing your dream life, if you're trying to step into your authentic direction, if you're trying to come into your true power, this episode will help. Mike Dooley is a master. I consider him not only a playful, loving, wise soul, but I consider him a enlightened being. And I'm so stoked I was able to have him on the podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it with your roommate, your buddy, your mom, your dog, your grandma, whoever might like it. Leave a review on Apple iTunes if you want to support my work. That definitely helps the show grow. And without further ado, let's do it. Let's talk with Mike Dooley about the biggest questions. Who are we? Why are we here? What is this world we live in? And how can we manifest the life of our dreams? I hope you guys enjoy. Mr. Mike Dooley, I am so grateful to have you here today speaking with me. When I was 22, fresh out of college, uh, at my most lost and directionless in my life, I found your work. It was a gift. Uh, the top 10 things dead people want to tell you. And, you know, it wasn't a, a title that necessarily grabbed out at me, but I just, I read it and uh, I like your notion that we know the truth when we meet it. And that was the case for me is when I read your words, I was like, this feels like truth. And it really was one of those paradigm shifting books that really gave me perspective, gave me hope and gave me somewhat of a framework to follow in my early 20s. So it feels very full circle to be talking to you. Uh, thank you for taking the time and thank you so much for the work that you do. Well, Max, it's an honor. I'm uh, privileged to be in this position and to be appreciated by you. So amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you, t- you started, I want to do like a brief background. I won't be here too long, but you were a tax consultant. Like how did you 
go from that background to now being an author, a spiritual teacher, and talking on these ideas that are of the biggest in the world, like why we're here, what we're meant to do here, what new kind of universe we live in. What was what what did that look like for you? Yeah, it's it's uh, hard for me to even wrap my head around it. I feel like I've incarnated several times in this lifetime. But I think what was there first and what's always been there for me is this kind of huge desire to question like why what's the point who are we you know is this going somewhere everybody dies everybody everybody and they're gone forever and I remember literally being almost doubled over in angst and so perplexed in my early 20s at the University of Florida uh, not that it was related to being at the University of Florida, but it was that time in my life when I just wondered, what's the point? And it was never morbid. I was never suicidal or anything like that. But I didn't realize it. But these kind of questions or any pitched desire, whether it's a pitched desire to manifest a, a partner or a million dollars or find answers, you know, we're wired in such a way as the spiritual beings that we are, God particles, if you will, to gravitate and attract to our experience that which we are pitched over in desire all about. And so if it's money or love or answers, we we get it. We, we either find it or we kind of make it up or manifest it out of thin air. It doesn't seem like that on the linear timeline, but nothing is as it seems. And lo and behold, I started drawing answers towards myself while I was a student, while I was pursuing accounting, while I was trying to cover every base so that I could live a good life. I was drawn towards the idea of being a business person. And I was told that an accounting background is the way to do it. But that came after my essence and search were well underway. And so uh, when I started getting the answers, Max, and you probably know this and, and, and resonate with it, if you will, um, I was lit up. I was like, of course, we're here by choice. We're eternal beings. We're of God, by God, pure God. There's order and meaning everywhere. Just as we can see the intelligence in the physical universe. So can we feel the love if we stop to experience it? And, and suddenly my life had meaning and it was about the adventure. It was about let's get it on. I mean, there's some questions a brain will never answer wired to time and space as we are, but we can all deduce enough to live an amazing life. And so early on, I realized that we are creators that we create based on our focus, the focus of our thoughts, words, and deeds. And if you want to live in abundance and have, you know, a lot of friends and travel the world, that's where you need to dwell and move. And so I did. And I used it. I, I did it with Price Waterhouse. I was, uh, my, my first job was accounting and uh, I was assigned in Tampa Bay, then Saudi Arabia, then Cairo, Egypt, then New York City, then Boston. It was like, it was just like wow. the best of the corporate world. I was living internationally. And then I wanted to do more. So I quit without a clue, applied these principles, became an entrepreneur. When I was a little bit older than you are now, I was in my late 20s and now I'm 59. And it has been a fairy tale existence um, as an entrepreneur in love and romance, uh, family, abundance, friends on every continent. It's just been a blast. And lo and behold, I now teach that which I was seeking. And it's the most fun of all. Mm. I love what you said when you when you found the information it lit you up. I wonder if you could just talk on that just a tiny bit more. I love the quote, the Rumi quote, like find the wisdom that will untie your knot. And that for <sighs> me, that's what that's what I felt is when I was reading like books like yours, it felt like this knot I was feeling was slowly being untied. What is it about when we come across information? Because maybe this will help someone if they listen and they feel that maybe they can trust that a little more. I know when I was starting out, it was a little hard to trust when my body would every cell in my body was screaming, yes, this, like, what is yeah. that? What is that that's happening when we read pieces of wisdom that really resonate? Well, I think we're all here as seekers and adventurers. And there's certain bits of information that, that we're 
on this earth to discover so that we can unlock the maximum amount of joy. It's not futile. It's not like, you know, we have to check these boxes. It's not like, oh, we must learn our lessons. It's like, you come here to learn only the lessons that are going to light you up, okay? And not everybody's learning the exact same things, although, and this was really kind of key for me, uh, ultimately a realization, and this may sound contradictory or not very spiritual, but I'm so not a person who believes that everyone has their own truth. Now, I know that sounds almost kind of good and respectful. It's crap. Mm -hmm. And all your power goes out the window to think everyone has their own truth. Everyone has their own path to truth. And every path needs to be recognized and honored to each his own. But to think that means, you know, everybody has a whole different agenda and a whole different set of marching orders. No, the truth is absolute. It is concrete. It is knowable. It is the most knowable thing, yet we spend most of our lives with our heads in the sand being told by well-meaning guardians, you know, some things can't be known. Some things have to be left to God. There goes all your power. And when I'm talking about truth, I'm not trying to start a religion. I've felt people out when they've heard me get on this kind of um, angle, if you will. It seems maybe uh, arrogant or belligerent. It's like, no, no, I'm talking about what I now believe are the truths of being. They're few and far between. I can count them on the fingers of one hand. We're all of God, by God, pure God. Believe it or not, and we all know, are coming to know how powerful our beliefs are, there are some truths, and this is what I'm talking about, that are so instrumental to setting up these sacred jungles of time and space that they're immovable, even with lack of a lack of belief in them, they still rule our lives. There's only God. We're all one. It's all good, meaning everything is playing out in the palm of God's hand, and we're all going to get to that same place. So I know there's pain, and there's ugly, and there's disgusting. But in the grand scheme of things, everything adds to who we are. Everything takes us higher and closer to the light, and it's all about us discovering our power. So in that sense, it's all good. And Another one of those five pillars, and they kind of blend together. You know, I, I, I wrote a book, Infinite Possibilities, uh, almost 20 years ago. That was my first New York Times bestseller. And I thought to myself, as I'm sharing the power of our thoughts, you know, where does this power come from? And what must be the absolutes that everyone can hang their hat on? Otherwise, you know, trees turn into water buffaloes and people disappear and you know, it's not that kind of a world. There are absolutes. Figure out what they are. You hang your hat on them and you live happily ever after. One of those absolutes was the fact that our thoughts become things, the things and events of our lives. This is where we fit into the equation of reality creation. This is how all things are possible. This is why everyone knows that there is a power to positive thinking. This is why athletes the world over since the year dot practice creative visualization. It works. It works because our thoughts have a real energy and we get to wave our magic wand by choosing what we think about. This is why The Secret, the DVD and the book that I was a contributor of, was so powerful. People had not yet realized, and most still don't today to the degree that it's true, that what you think about, you bring about. And they don't realize that if you're complaining about you know, people being idiots, if you're complaining about you know, the other political party, if you're whatever you focus on, you increase its presence in your life. So then you say, Oh, yeah, I told you they were idiots. Well, you're just drawing the idiots out of the woodwork because of your focus. And it's not a lot of fun. Change your focus. And you change your experience, you start to see love, you see fellow adventurers, you know, that all are doing their best that everyone's worthy, that all are powerful. And that this is, this is like an adventure is the best way to understand the nature of reality. And so getting to the answer of your question, <laughs> I learned early on that there are absolutes. Yeah. And if we are fuzzy on them, we have a fuzzy, un, unjoyful experience. You know, things work, they don't work. Who knows why? Maybe it's God, maybe it's karma. 
But when we get clarity on these simple benign truths, it's like, oh my God. And then we realize we can control that. And that which we don't like, we can reinvent. And suddenly we've got a foothold, we've got traction. We light up to find out that it was us all along and we can live as we choose to live. Mm. No exceptions. Mm. I love the idea that they're absolute truths. And I think, you know, the way that really resonated with me is like gravity is a law, whether you're living by it or not. And so your teachings definitely resonate with that. I know you've said like uh, the word God, I've come a long way with the word God. I grew up in a household that kind of was like, you know, there's a lot of uh, challenge and organized religion. And, and so that, that word God was triggering for me. Is there a way you could put it in, in terms of like everything is a part of goal of God, everything is one. Is there a way you could put it that almost. Yeah. You're so right. You're so right, Max. That's a loaded word that means different things to different people, although it shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, It's simply a recognition that, that there is a higher intelligence. And to anyone who says, show me proof, just open your eyes and, and look at a bird fly. Okay. (laughs) Look at the planet earth has a hundred million different species. Look at the symbiotic relationships, including human beings and the planet at large, just like the miracles and the brilliance are utterly unending. There ain't no way that we evolved out of some gaseous gloopity matter to all of a sudden be walking upright. I believe in evolution and I also believe in creationism and I don't think one excludes the other, but these ideas from the stone age where, uh, people were vying for leadership and control and power over others made any exploration into the supernatural scary and exciting. And if you could portray a God that you were close to, that you could tell other people about and scare them, you know, you've got them eating out of the palm of your hand in fear. And so men, and I mean that in the, the sexual way, not women, but men with an agenda to ma- manipulate the masses uh, took uh, our natural born curiosity over the nature of reality and harnessed our fears and ourselves um, with uh, a misrepresentation uh, of what the divine is. So call it the universe. That's where I get my notes from the universe. I send these mm. emails out now every day for 20 years. The universe uh, is divine intelligence, but without all the baggage, it's not a male figure. It's not a female figure. It's everything always at once. Um, it's, uh, you know, the mind truly does boggle. The human brain on a timeline, I don't know that we could ever really fathom what source energy or all that is really is uh, except to recognize that it is alive everywhere always at once in every moat of dust in every boulder rock and pebble in every dolphin bear and human i mean there's nothing that's not pure god Mm. and so that alone gets you off of some of the um torture instruments of religion that god is sitting in judgment of his creations it's like you know we are that divinity why would god judge god we are here to see what happens in a world of love where everyone is lifted higher gradually throughout their entire life and existence into eternity and suddenly the constructs that imprisoned us um, thinking that god was outside of us how could that be what would we be made of you know there's god and then all the other junk floating around space There would be no space. It's all divine mind. And then you've got a whole different idea of what you're dealing with. And you can shed the connotations that God typically has that are so debilitating in Mm. reality. Yeah, I can imagine. I know for me, once I kind of came on board with that idea, once I put aside my toxic idea of a God outside of me and started really looking at everything as God, God is within me, universe is within me. Then it it helped me get on board with the idea that you're talking about that thoughts become things because it was less of a selfish act and more of like, why wouldn't every part of nature want the rest of nature to be in balance and be in harmony? Uh, And it sounds like I feel like I'm in a phase and I know a lot of people in their, you know, early, mid to late twenties are in this phase where they're, they're taking their exploration, their 
what they're learning and they're trying to apply it now. And it sounds like you had this period of soaking in the knowledge, soaking in the wisdom, and then you're like, okay, time to apply this now. So I love what we just did. We kind of like laid a groundwork to get people. And this is the process that helped me buy into, okay, this is, this is real. This makes sense on a logical level. What would that process become for you? Because it sounded like you went from knowledge to application, or you started to really embody all the truths that you had been learning about. What was that process for you? What were some of Mike Dooley's dreams when he was maybe a tax accountant and was learning about the nature of the universe? What were the things that you wanted to attract? Where did you start to, and how did you start to apply the, um, the thoughts become things principles? Well, great question, Max. Uh, I think, you know, in, in, in the most base sense, I wanted joy and freedom, yeah. you know, lots of it, laughter, friends, money, relationships, um, but we might, at different points in our lives, dress up the the dream of greater joy in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. if you're you're really young and your back's to the wall and you're a little bit fearful and you're dependent on other folks, you want money. And there's nothing unspiritual about any desires. Yeah, some may be uh, more beneficial once manifested for yourself than others. People want stuff that doesn't really serve them all the time. But what better lay, way to learn that than to manifest what you thought would make you happy, only to find out it doesn't. So it's all holy. It's all good. Nothing unspiritual about the material world. It's just pure spirit itself uh, cloaked in matter. But for me, I think not uniquely, I wanted to live a life of wealth and abundance. I wanted to be a multimillionaire. I wanted to have great relationships, see the world, uh, be a good guy, um, yeah, the, probably the same things as everybody I would I would suspect yeah. um, and learning what I learned and, and it takes there's so little to learn really it's like like these pillars of being I told you you know we're all of God you know there's not a separation between us and God we're here because we chose to be here we're here because we're eternal beings we're here for the joy of it get it on you're not supposed to save anybody you're not supposed to do anything you're here just to be that expression of God that you are. God will never have another chance in eternity to see through my eyes and Mm. feel through my heart or your eyes, your heart, your ears. And every single individual is that unique window that God never had before and will never have again. That's it. So now go be that person. And it doesn't matter what you do. You're not, so, you're not supposed to be selfless. You're not supposed to be creative. You're not supposed to do anything but be you. You can't not be you. And when you surrender to your own desires, and, and truly, I know the old school thinking, if everyone surrendered to their own desires, we'd all be heathens, greedy bastards, ruin the world. It's like, no, that's not our nature. That's not your nature, Max. It's not my nature. Our nature is benevolence, kindness, giving, loving. That's who we really are, but it's manifested otherwise, given the fear we've been in because of the ignorance we've lived in. This is a very early time, I think history will show, in the curve of conscious evolution for the human species on planet Earth. We are caveman, cavewoman, every one of us. Until until we live more in the truth, Uh, can be more of our authentic selves when we do care for our brothers and sisters, not selflessly, but because we see ourselves in them. And so anyway, to answer your question pointedly, uh, I started to do creative visualization, you know, uh, Mm. and I advocate now as a teacher, you don't need to do it for more than a couple of minutes every day. I still do it four minutes a day done, you know, and imagine that your dreams have already been achieved when you visualize for four minutes and then get back to the here and now. Don't think if four minutes is good, 40 is better. It's not, it's worse. Don't think if one time is good, three times is better. It's worse because then you start living in some future fantasy world. You're not in the present. You're not enjoying who you already are. Just one time a day, no more than four or five minutes. Um, Imagine your dream already came true. Don't imagine how it came true. Meaning imagine you're, surrounded by laughter. Imagine you've got infinite financial resources. Imagine you're fit as a fiddle looking hot 
as can be. You're the ideal weight. You're just, everything's clicking. Imagine people congratulating you. Imagine the high fives. Imagine the happy tears and the salt that they you taste as they roll down your cheeks. Just do that for four minutes a day. Come up with a few affirmations. I love my life. My life is easy. I have so much free time. Especially say those things when the opposite seems true. Everything I touch turns to gold. I'm surrounded by wealth and abundance, especially when that doesn't seem to be the case. Because that's how you got where you are. To change it, you got to create a new picture in your mind, a picture of your desired end result, not a picture of how you're going to get there. And I advocate, I mean, the culmination of a lifetime of doing this for your listeners, let your dreams be broad in scope. Dream happiness. Dream financial abundance. Dream a rocking travel partner with benefits. Dream creative, fulfilling expression. Let these be your dreams and settle for nothing less. Attach, attach, attach. Demand it as you show up in the world with your baby steps. Try different pathways. Try to be the, 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 the webmaster. Try to be the accountant to the, the best of your ability. Go down those paths that make sense to the best of your ability to get to an end result that you're thinking of. But don't insist that any of those paths be it. If, if you want to be a writer, then be a writer and imagine that it's already done. But don't make one book how your life takes off. Because when we start to bring our dreams closer and closer down to, to details that are generally unimportant, we exclude other options. So I'm not saying don't work on the details, work on them, but with a glad heart. Work on them and want them to come to pass, but leave room for surprises and or better than you could have imagined. Visualize details, but surrender to what shows up insist on the big rocking picture of an amazing life and settle for nothing less. But whether it becomes this book that Oprah loves or that business that goes public or this relationship with Trixie, man, she's so hot. She completes me. Look, you want the best relationship in the world. It might be Trixie or it might be somebody you haven't met yet. You know, your book, it might be your third book, not your first book. Too often, people try to micromanage and demand, I'm a being of light. My thoughts become things. My Dooley said, visualize. I'm going to manipulate and make this and that and them happen. That's missing the point. You can have the big picture joy, but you need to surrender in the journey, a journey you must take. There must be these baby steps down specific pathways where you do not insist or try to manipulate their outcome, you're available for what you wanted or better. It's a very fine line. If anybody can listen to that three or four times, they're totally going to get it. Although at first it might seem a little bit like, wait a minute. No, totally. Because for me, that's been a big process and I'm excited we're talking about that because it's like you set the goal, you set the vision, you visualize it. There's two things that come up for me in that process that I know are common amongst the people in my circles. And then just people I talk to about these ideas is um, one, you get so fixed, like you said, on this path, this is going to be the path. And if it's not this path, then this was a waste of time or um, it becomes, you know, those, those, those doubts become more convincing. Those, those old voices, those old paradigms of what parents told you of maybe like, you know, this is just the way it is. Come back to reality. Those programs kick in. Oh yeah. Maybe I can't trust Mike Dooley. Maybe maybe I can't trust that my thoughts become things. So I guess like how do we, in those moments when things aren't showing up, maybe as soon as we want it, how do we stay in that energy of our future or our future self? How do we stay in the energy of the things we want before they show up? Because when they don't show up, it can be so convincing that they never you know, will. Yeah, devastating, truly devastating. The way <laughs> you do that is you don't judge the journey with your physical senses. You don't draw false conclusions. You let the pendulum swing. The most important thing that can be done is start out an adventure with wisely defined dreams as I just reviewed. Don't be a micromanager. Don't hinge your happiness on a specific person behaving a specific way. Might be Trixie, might be somebody else. If Trixie's in your life and you love her, go for it and imagine that it goes well. But if she fizzles, then know something better is coming. And this is not a reflection of you. 
I'll tell you, Max, my story, if you will. Uh, yeah. 20 years ago, I, I felt uh, I was at the end of my rope. I was 39 years old. I was single. I had no career momentum. I just liquidated a business. Everything seemed to be wrong. And the old records start playing. You know, I'm delusional. I've been kidding myself. I mean, I had a great run until I was 39. But suddenly, unexpectedly, you know, girlfriend had a boyfriend and it wasn't me. And I was the last to know. You know, it was like, wow. yeah. She left me for somebody else. Um, mm. My 10-year-old entrepreneurial pursuit, selling gifts and T-shirts all over the world while I sold $10 million of them, was tanking and going down. And I had to freaking reinvent myself. And I remember thinking, man, what's wrong with me? But I had this idea that saved my life. I, I had this recognition. If I go looking for what's wrong with me, holy crap, I'm going to find a long list of shit. And, and it's going to take the rest of my life to undo it. And I'll be talking about my glory days forevermore, not making anything new happen. Instead of looking for what's wrong with you, which can be nearly impossible to find. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with you, but you end up making shit up and it wasn't even there. Instead of looking for what's wrong with you, Mike, you know how life works. It's been 20 years since you read those first books that lit you on fire. Your thoughts become things. You are of God, by God, pure God. You're inclined to succeed. You were born to thrive. Don't judge where you are right now. Instead, just keep working it. Dream. I had vision boards going in several rooms of my house. I was constantly taking baby steps. I started sending out these free emails that evolved into notes from the universe, that slowly evolved into public speaking, which I hated. I loved talking about reality, but I hated getting in front of a live audience. So I joined Toastmasters. It was harrowing. Uh, then I'm like, you're, you're really screwed, Mike. First, you write for free, these silly emails. Now you're speaking to audiences for free. But I had enough money to coast a little longer. And I was like, you just keep doing it because it's lighting you up. You're having a good time. People are appreciative of it. And the next thing you know, Max, literally, I'm on a world tour to five of the seven continents to my own following, just telling people I'm going to be in London. I'm going to be in Sydney. I'm going to be in Honolulu. Come buy tickets here. Uh, uh, I do a day-long workshop. Uh, I self-published three books in uh, like the first couple of years. Uh, my platform on the internet was growing for Notes from the Universe. I got an invitation to present in The Secret, the, the book and the DVD by Rhonda Byrne that just blew up globally in mm. 2007, 2008. Uh, suddenly I had girlfriends galore. <laughs> uh, you know, I was ethical. They all, you know, I wasn't... Uh, Totally. Playing them or anything. But I mean, I had choices and I had never my whole life had choices. <laughs> um, it was like, and then I remember thinking like, wow, why this time did it work so well? Prior to the train wreck of my life, I was writing little pithy poems about life, dreams and happiness for a t-shirt gift company that me and my brother and mother had been working with great success for 10 years before we liquidated. And then the whole time we were doing that, I wished and I would lament, I wish I could reach more people with what I'm writing than cute little poems about dolphins that would sell on a t-shirt in the Bahamas. You know, it's like, you know, totally. if I could just reach more people, but on the same topic of life, dreams and happiness in a metaphysical light. Well, after, so during, then the train wreck came. It's like, I have no momentum. I have no clue. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I have no idea how I'm going to continue paying my, you know, multi-thousand dollar mortgage every month. After the train wreck, world tours, dating, confidence, programs. Uh, soon I had a New York Times bestseller. It was the beginning of the biggest dream of my life coming true, Max. All that I had lamented during those 10 years selling novelty gifts and printed t-shirts, reaching more people. Um, doing the same stuff, um, getting out, making more money. It couldn't happen on the track I was on. My, my train didn't crash. It stopped, which would freak anyone out if the train of their life stopped. But it stopped so that it could change tracks and go farther, for faster, higher, better than I even knew to ask for. And suddenly the career momentum that I didn't have is like, I was doing the same thing prior to the 
changing of tracks, but now I was reaching more people. Now I was sending emails uh, that were ultimately going to millions. I was sending, selling books through Simon & Schuster that would go to hundreds and hundreds of thousands. It's like it was the beginning of a huge dream coming true, but to the physical senses, no boxes were checked. Everything was bad. And if I had looked for what was wrong, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Don't assume something's wrong. This stuff always works. Your thoughts always become things. There are no mitigating factors. If you don't like what you've got right now, don't assume that it's wrong on you. It's just the pendulum swinging, swinging to bigger and better than you could have imagined. So long as you stay the course, it will show up. And so to answer your question, don't rely on your physical senses. You might get a no, you might get a string of no's, you might take three steps backwards, but it's all going to play to your greater good if you stay in the game. That's such a profound story, Mike. It's um, the crash and burn was what set up your, your absolute biggest dreams. That's so powerful. And you've talked about this idea in your books and you've noted you've noted it a couple of times now is <clears throat> once you have this dream, you talk about baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And I think this is a, a beautiful part about you and your writing is it's not, you know, the, the one bit of flack that, you know, messages like the secret get are, okay, I put my vision out, my thoughts become things. And now I'm just going to stay here, sit here and wait for it to come. The universe is going to provide for me, you know, um, or there's another one in like the new age community. If it doesn't feel really good and easy, then it probably isn't aligned. And, um, <laughs> and so I love your, I love your work. Cause it's so practical. It's take baby steps. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's a little scary in your beginning. Sometimes they suck and they're embarrassing, <laughs> but they're better than doing nothing. Yeah. And so tell me about that. And I love the two things, one from your beginner's guide to the universe, you say, don't just knock on one door. That's easy. Knock on every single door and one will open. And then in the top 10 things, dead people want to tell you, you had the awesome metaphor of the GPS that is the universe can't work for you if you don't put the car in drive. Like you, you really can't figure out how to get there if you're not moving. So tell me a little bit more about this idea of, you know, taking affirmative action, taking baby yeah. steps towards, because sometimes those dreams, sorry to make this a long-winded question, but like for me, some of the biggest dreams I have, there's almost so insurmountable, so hard to even fathom how to even start moving in that way. So it's easier sometimes to be like, I'll wait for a, an opportunity to present itself and then I'll start moving towards that big dream. Um, but you say it's almost the opposite. So tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, that's the disconnect that's so universal because we're so wired to our physical senses. We think we need to logically figure it all out. And that's not what the brain was designed for. The brain was designed to create new pictures. You like what you've got? Good. Think about it. You'll bring more of it about. You don't like it? Change the picture before the world changes. So you got to hold on to the picture, which seems futile when the whole world seems to be collapsing around you, but this is the secret, if you will. And when you create a new image in your mind, just like when you program GPS navigation, you put the destination, the system tells you how. When you have a dream in that instant, divine intelligence that hung the stars in the night sky, quadrillions and billions of them, that same brilliance, knows how you can live a life of joy and financial abundance, total confidence, amazing creativity, be of service in the world, write a book that changes lives or entertains or whatever you want. You don't have to have even a good rationale. If you have the picture, it's done and it's pressing it out to you immediately. But if your car's in park, it won't matter how much you visualize. It won't matter if there's a vision board in the back seat. It won't matter if you're listening to Mike Dooley or Tony Robbins on the radio. You'll never get there. All you have to do is put your car in gear. Will that get you there? Never in a million years, which is why people don't put their car in gear. They wait for the yellow brick road to show up to their front door. Look, no matter what road you start out on towards a dream, it's not going to be the road you arrive on. But you'll never arrive if you don't start, which means you have to start out on the wrong road. Everyone starts on the wrong road, which is why people don't start. They're like, this can't be the road. I can't go to that job I hate anymore. That's the worst thing in the world. No, I would even advocate if you don't know what else to do, 
If you don't know what else to do, go to the job you hate. Not to learn to love it, not to settle for less, but because you're out in the freaking world where you can be reached by the magic, the magic you've ordained and commanded with new visions of your dream life. It's being pressed to you. And so if you're standing behind the counter at McDonald's, at least with big dreams, the right person at the right time will show up and order a Big Mac fries and want your phone number or see that glint in your eye and, and want you to be on their team or the most freaky, weird, crazy, so-called coincidences will happen. There's no such thing as a coincidence. It's the logistics of time and space rearranged based on your dreams and or your fears. And so long as you're showing up and showing up, this is how your thoughts become things through these little clicks, these little shifts that are almost imperceptible that will lead and yield to whatever you were thinking about. But let me not scare anybody here, Max. Hmm. It's not like, and I used to fear this, it's not like a thought is a thought. I thought a good thought, oh, good for me. I thought a bad thought, oh, crap, my life's over. It's like, it's not like, you know, for every up, there's a down, every left, there's a right. It, it, it's so crazy. One of my life's biggest epiphanies of the last, I'd say, 15 years as a teacher of all this stuff is a realization that given who we really are, the eyes and the ears of the divine, gladiators of love and joy, here for the joy of it. We came here to rock and roll, to grow, to expand, to adventure, to love and be loved. That's the truth. That's absolute. If you come here like that, as everybody listening did, and you start thinking thoughts like, you know, hey, this is a pretty cool world. And, uh, you know, my dreams have come true. Some of them have. Maybe more of them will. Maybe they're, maybe they're in motion right now. Hell to the yes. These are easy thoughts to become things because they go in the flow of the magnificence that brought you here. If, on the other hand, you think, you know, I'm a dodo and I'm never going to get it. And God's probably pissed off if he even exists. And people are jerks and life is a test. Those are very hard thoughts to become things because they do not go with the truth that brought you here. Whether or not you know that truth is irrelevant. Mm. So what I'm getting at, it's therefore as if our positive thoughts when I, what I mean without passing judgment, because positive is a judgment, it's as if our thoughts that are in alignment with the beauty and magnificence of life and ourselves, those thoughts are 10,000 times, at a minimum, 10,000 times more powerful than thoughts out of alignment with truth. I'm a dummy, probably won't work. I'm going down. Nobody likes me. Lie, 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 lie. Now, we can make anything come to pass. But once you get on board with the truth, which is why it was so good that we had this talk in the beginning about putting legs under the table and recognizing our divinity and source and non-judgment, the mm. universe towards us. Now we can see, okay, it makes some sense. There is this order. And thereby, you know, God didn't come here to be squashed and squished and, you know, to get the short end of the stick. Of course, we see that happening, but it is not the norm. It is the exception. And um, on this same thought, you know, to, to, to wrap that up, you need not worry if you still have negative thoughts or you're still fearful, so long as there is, is at least a modest effort to continue onward, to be positive, to you know, have a stiff upper lip, show up with baby steps, you're going to totally crush it. That's such a but, powerful uh, yeah. Such a powerful note that those negative, because that can be the stressful part is, are these negative thoughts pushing me just as far in the direction as I want to go as my positive thoughts? Because we all have bad days. We all have the low energy comes, you know, for me, if I'm really exhausted, let's say it's easier to think those negative thoughts. One thing that I've noticed on this path of following, you know, your dreams, let's say, and I, I see this with everybody is this idea of imposter syndrome. I wanted to talk to you about that. I haven't read I don't know if I've if I've read any writing specifically on imposter syndrome though you've probably hinted at it in other wording but with you and your you know let's say with your story you're you're talking about the biggest ideas that you could talk about and if I were Mike Dooley and I had all these truths, I could just imagine getting in my own way saying, you know, it's not like I had a near death experience. It's not like I I've literally seen this and like it's so hard to trust ourselves when and when we're stepping into our power, I would say. So how was yeah. that how was that process for you? And when did you start feeling 
let's say like confident enough uh, in your ability to reflect on these truths, to begin to teach them and to share them? And what can you say on this idea of imposter syndrome, which is for the people listening is when you almost don't feel worthy, you're making progress and you doubt yourself. You're not sure if you can fit those new shoes that you're trying to fill. What can you say about that and and how that related to your process? You know, here's the great news. We're so inclined to succeed Mm. that you don't even have to believe in yourself and you still will. (laughs) It's taken me my life to realize that. Mm. And I don't think I ever had uh, an easy answer or nor was I ever particularly confident in myself. Mm. I covered it up with just frantically, um, you know, massive action. Always a big dreamer. Uh, always felt futile, always terrified I would never make it. So massive action. Now, if I was doing it over with the confidence I've accumulated, I would definitely try to enjoy the journey more um, and not be so stressed that maybe it won't work. Mm. But but even if you are stressed, uh, you know, it's understandable in this day and age, this primitive arc in our learning curve as conscious creators that that we would feel like imposters like who am i to want wealth and abundance and think that it could happen when everybody wants wealth and abundance and it happens for almost no one exactly okay but it's just how bad do you want it and 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 how much can you argue on your behalf i mean i would look at people who were successful and and, and really as much as i would think they had something i didn't I would also be like, come on, they got nothing on you. And and I would just try to be my own best cheerleader. And it never felt like I was a very good cheerleader. And I never felt like, well, now I got it. This is inevitable. Never. But I succeeded anyway. There's so much wiggle room when you do what you can with what you've got from where you are. So, um, you know, make up stories in your behalf. This is one. Here's a little trick. When I was recording the audio program of Infinite Possibilities, The Art of Living Your Dreams, it was fresh off of what I thought was the train wreck of my life. And I, by then, 20 years into understanding my thoughts become things, but not understanding all things, I thought that, you know, I should share some of my successes to give myself credibility in this audio program. Well, unbeknownst to my listeners, my most exciting successes were 10 or 15 years earlier than that recording. And I remember being like, oh man, your stories are old, Mike. You know, hopefully nobody's gonna ask. Uh, they were good stories, you know, visualizing Hong Kong Island as a, as a, as a unemployed bachelor of accounting major, uh, just graduated in St. Petersburg, Florida. And two years later, I'm freaking sitting in Hong Kong looking at the exact picture that was in my scrapbook. But yeah. that story was so old. By, that story was almost 20 years old. And, and while I had had a lot of success up until 39, I was still at this point of liquidation. My girlfriend ran off with a guy and, and feeling great humiliation. And I remember telling myself, this is what I mean when I say, you know, tell yourself another story. I'd be like, it's okay, Mike, because you're living your greatest story right now. Mm. And I'd be like, you know, when you tell yourself Stuff like that. In one sense, you're like, yeah, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, like that would be nice. That, but there's another part of me, literally, that was like, oh, mm-hmm. I think I am. This is going somewhere. Mm-hmm. This is going to be good. When I was terrified as a speaker, one of my first gigs, talk about manifestations, uh, was London, England. It was like my third real gig. I'm invited to London. My, my second was, my first was Orlando. I made it my own. My second was Amsterdam. My third was London. So I'm doing something right, but I was petrified. I was there days early, pacing the carpet in my hotel room, nauseous that I would go blank in the middle of a talk. And I remember a little exercise I created that I still use. I call it reverse worrying. Instead of thinking of all the reasons this event would go bad. I tasked myself with writing down all the reasons it went so well. Even though it hadn't happened yet, I phrased it in the past tense. And why did it go so well? Well, I've already done it in Orlando and in Amsterdam. Well, um, uh, the audience was wonderful. Well, the hotel was beautiful. The staff was amazing. Uh, I was over my jet lag. And, And it was hard to make this list. 
And I pushed myself. There's got to be more reasons that this went well, even though it was like a couple of days away. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can't write. I had this idea and I was like, it was like so ridiculous. I was like, I can't write that. And I was like, write it. And I wrote, well, I, I'm actually a natural born speaker. Now to anybody that had ever seen me speak publicly, they, I maybe made some good points, but they knew I was terrified, terrified. Quaking voice, cotton mouth, trembling limbs and fingers. It was harrowing. It was really harrowing. I could tell a good speech. I could, I could hit the marks for an audience, but at great bodily expense to myself. But when I wrote that down, Max, I mean, as much as I thought it was laughable and I didn't give myself permission right away to write it down, it really sat with me. I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I am. Maybe this fear is just irrational because I haven't done a lot of public speaking in my life, which was the case. Maybe I am a natural born speaker, a natural born orator, highly sought after professional speaker. Those became my affirmations back in the day when I was anything but to the naked eye a natural born speaker. And so to combat the imposter syndrome, you start giving yourself ammunition. It's going to challenge you. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to buy it hook, line and sinker, but you're going to make inroads. And to this day, if I get intimidated by a particularly large audience, TV, live, whatever, I will tell myself, Mike, you got it. You're a natural born speaker. And I swear to God, I now sometimes think I am. <laughs> you well, I would say you've reached that level. But I mean, such great advice. It's it's so true. And it's it's comforting to hear that even you went through your own version to that you know, the, the positive self-talk and, and just practicing affirmation as that comes up. And then the opposite of the worry list, that's, that's a good idea. I mean, I get nervous before podcasts like this, every time it's a guest that I, I, I really respect it's, you know, that part of me that wants to do so well, I can't help but, you know, think, Oh, but what if I make myself look like a fool, you know, and mm. that process is so, is so important. Um, I love this quote from the beginner's guide to the universe that kind of touches on this. It says, Random awkwardness, unexpected shyness, feared inadequacy, and the occasional blushing are just a few signs that a giant is settling into their greatness. And I I read that quote and I was just like, yes, Mike, thank you for, for saying that because I have so often felt awkward and shy and inadequate. Um, and it's just helpful to remember, maybe that's a truth that when that happens, that's just us learning to step into our greatness. Well, thanks for pointing that one out. It's one of my favorites as well. And and it is the case. Everyone is settling into their greatness. Everyone <laughs> is truly the eyes and the ears of God. Everyone is safely living their life in the palm and in the heart of God right now. Everyone is assured of a happy place uh, here and now and forevermore. Mm. So we are in crazy times right now with COVID and there's so much opportunity for us to kind of fall into the the fear that's just so common right now you know some rightfully so but others it's like there is just more uh illumination of the fear and concerns of the future right now from your perspective with all that we've talked about how can someone like i and the listeners kind of move forward in this new world that we live in um kind of continuing to radiate let's say that light that you bring so much awareness to how can we move forward as leaders and examples of the truth that you've talked about? Well, uh, with some understanding, it's easy to get why something like COVID and the polarity in the political spectrum and all these things make us feel fragile and vulnerable uh, and want to do something about it. But with the deeper understanding of the nature of reality, that we are all gladiators of love and joy, that we knew what we were getting into being born in these primitive times, spiritually speaking, we can suddenly start connecting some dots and, and putting together a picture, and some of which might come from the support of those who have been around the block a few times, like myself, where we realize that things like COVID or personal setbacks, there ain't no such thing, but but things that to the physical senses are like all bad are really just a realignment 
of circumstances on the stage of life to give us pause for self-reflection, to give us an opportunity to realign our priorities, to emerge ultimately better than we arrived at this intersection uh, to begin with. And seen in this light, um, this COVID lockdown social distancing thing is the beginning of an amazing healing that's long overdue on planet Earth. What do you do with it? You take what it's being given to you right now. If you've got fears, face them. If you've got time on your hands, then use it to go within, to ask big questions. Who the hell am I? Why am I here? What can I do with my life? And how am I going to do it? This is a time where we can settle and have these questions answered simply by pondering them, which has been the the gateway to my own illumination, as we talked about in the first 10 minutes. So when people begin realizing that they're not vulnerable and that there's order and meaning to all, then everything is a step forward, even what seems to be a step back. And we can kind of shrug it off a little bit easier. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean sometimes we aren't faced with painful, excruciating circumstances. I'm not trying to gloss over, uh, you know, the different kind of scenarios that do exist, a cancer diagnosis, a violation by somebody else. But even those have their own order and meaning and seen from a higher perspective, one day it will be evident that there was um, something being accomplished, uh, something beautiful, if you will, in spite of the unfair circumstances. And when we have this greater grasp, we realize that even as circumstances can sometimes be unfair, life is ultimately supremely fair, which takes a lot, a lot totally. to to kind of get to that place. And it may even sound insulting to those who have been violated. Uh, I don't think we have the time or the space to, to go there, but we could go there. And there are those kind of answers and life is still beautiful and we do still have forever. Yeah. I like, I like how you almost applied that. I just asked you about the macro of the world and you almost took that example of you hitting a low point, hitting a crash in your career and it set you up for your dream life. Perhaps that's happening at a bigger scale. That is like. exactly happening. And that's the nature of reality when we're all of God, by God, pure God, living inside of God. No matter how things appear, it's serving us. Mm. And if you don't understand how, it doesn't matter. It's still serving you. Mm. And ultimately, you can get to a place where you kind of surrender more and more and you realize everything is for your greater good, which does not translate into a life of passivity continue to go out, to knock on doors, to, to push your comfort zone, um, to ask for help, to follow your heart, um, but have more lenience in judging what shows up and don't ever think that it's bad. People will say, Mike, how do I how do I deal with it when everything's going my way and I'm so happy and I finally got a handle on it and then wham, <laughs> life knocks the wind out of me. Terrible bad things happen. It's like, stop with the labeling of terrible, bad things. These two will take you higher. There's no such thing as a setback. It's all a setup for greatness. Sometimes that may seem hard to believe, but let the pendulum swing far enough and long enough, uh, and you two, everybody will get this. I love it, Mike. I'm so appreciative of um, this conversation and your teachings. One of my favorite final questions to ask Um and this is, you're, you're the last guest I'll be able to ask this with because my birthday is next week. But given that you had changed nothing, everything worked out perfectly, what is a piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? Oh, well, uh, I'm so happy for how everything worked out. Everybody will get to that place. I'm going to say, maybe that would be my advice. You know, it's all playing to your good, your greater good. Mm. Um, therefore, chill out. But you're going to chill out better if you ask the big questions and follow your heart. But just try to enjoy the journey a little bit more because <laughs> you're going to get there and you're going to be like, damn, I didn't need to stress it so much. Man, I, I completely resonate with that. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Is there anything that you want to wrap a bow on uh, in this conversation? And, and, then, and then maybe let us know what you have going, what you're most excited about, where people can find more about uh, all the stuff that you're putting out in the Internet. Well, I'd like to just say thank you, Max, for what you're doing. Mm. Um, 
it, it makes such a difference when people take the time, follow their heart, shine their light as humbly as you do. Uh, everyone can resonate with folks like yourself and find a friend in a person like yourself. So you're doing probably more than you realize to make the world a better place as you're learning and growing yourself. So kudos and I salute you, brother. Thank you uh, so people much. People want to know more about what I'm doing, tut.com. Tut.com, the universe talks, the acronym uh, TUT. That's where I send out my free daily notes from the universe. That's where they can find out about my free daily Facebook, Instagram broadcasts. Uh, and uh, the many other things I offer, memberships, online courses, events, et cetera, tut.com. Mm, incredible. Thank you so much for those kind, encouraging words. They mean a lot coming from you. And um, thanks for taking the time. All right, brother. Look forward to seeing you post-COVID somewhere in the world and sharing the stage. Yes, I hope so. Thank you guys for listening. I so appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Mike Dooley as much as I did. If you want to share this episode, put it on your Instagram stories and be sure to tag me and tag Mike Dooley. That way we can both see it. We can both say thank you. Thank you for stopping by. I hope whatever you are doing, wherever you are in your journey, that this show supports you even in the smallest of ways. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're finding clarity. If there's any way I could support you, don't hesitate to reach out. And I will see you next week, fam. Okay, bye, bye, bye.